This is Golden Gems with Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen. Welcome to Unforgettable Music from the Golden Years of Radio. For those of you who may be new to us, we feature a different artist in their most unforgettable hits on each episode. So thanks for joining us today. Sit back, relax, and let your mind fill with unforgettable memories of days gone by with this week's episode of Unforgettable Golden Gems from the Golden Age of Radio. Well, welcome to Golden Gems uh, Radio. This is Dave Shaw. And Bill Hansen. We just want to explain a little bit here. A number of years ago, started a radio program on KOVO at night where we leased the time and we played some of the, uh, the great hits going back to the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and also some of the newer music. And we had a tremendous following of people, as well as many sponsors supporting us. We kind of got the bug in our ear again, 25 years later, to do somewhat of the same thing. Uh, We have been uh, exploring, first of all, we've set up this podcast, but we've run into a little bit of a, that's right, a roadblock. And so what we're doing today uh, on the podcast, we're going to be featuring an artist every week. But for us to play the music of these artists, it will be on Golden Gems Radio. So we're in the process of setting up Golden Gems Radio as an internet radio station. So today we're going to be just talking about our artists, the first featured artist, for Golden Gems, Nat King Cole. And so I'm going to turn the time over to Bill to introduce a little bit about Nat King Cole. All right, thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah, we I do want to start with Nat King Cole. Uh, and as I say, the the music will be on Golden Gems Radio. But we're hoping that uh, we can get things worked out so we can get it back on the podcast. But in the meantime, we'll talk about the artist. Uh, just a brief summary of his life. Uh, Nathaniel Adams Cole, born March 17, 1919, and lived through February 15, 1965. And, of course, he was known professionally as Nat King Cole, and he was an American vocalist and jazz pianist. He recorded over 100 songs that became hits on the pop charts. His trio was the model for small jazz ensembles that followed. Cole also acted in films and on television, and performed on Broadway. He was the first African-American man to host an American television series. He was the father of singer and songwriter Natalie Cole, who we also hope to be featuring sometime soon. His early life, uh, Nathaniel Adams Cole, was born in Montgomery, Alabama on March 17, 1919. He had three brothers, Eddie, who was born in 1910 and lived till 1970, Ike, born in 1927, who died on 2001, and Freddie, born in 1931, and a half-sister, Joyce Coles. Each of the Cole brothers pursued careers in music. When Nat King Cole was four years old, his family moved to Chicago, where his father, Edward Cole, became a Baptist minister. Cole learned to play the organ from his mother, Pernilla Cole, who was the church organist. His first performance was Yes, We Have No Bananas at the age of four. He began formal lessons at 12, learning jazz, gospel, and classical music on the piano. 
playing such items as from or such recordings as from uh, Johann Sebastian Bach and Sergei Rachmaninoff. Quite a wide variety of repertoire of things he was able to play. The Cole family moved to Bronzeville neighborhood of Chicago, where he attended Wendell Phillips Academy High School. It was said that he would sneak out of the house to visit clubs in the evening, sitting outside and listen to such as Louis Armstrong, Earl Hines, and uh, Jimmy Noon. Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit more about his uh, his first career? Well, in his early uh, career, when he was 15, Cole dropped out of high school to pursue a music career. With his brother Eddie, who's a bassist, they formed a sextet and recorded two singles for Decca in 1936 as Eddie Cole's Swingsters. They performed in a revival of the musical Shuffle Along. Nat Cole went on tour with the musical in 1937. He married Nadine Robinson, who was a member of the cast. After the show ended in Los Angeles, Cole and Nadine settled there while he looked for work. He led a big band, then found work playing piano in nightclubs. A club owner asked him to form a nightclub band. They called themselves the King Cole Swinksters after the nursery rhyme in which old King Cole was a merry old soul. (laughs) That's really interesting. They later changed their name to the King Cole Trio. And uh, on uh, Golden Gems Radio, uh, we'll be playing some of the the original uh, King Cole Trio. Uh, They were amazing. Cole recorded Sweet Lorraine in 1940, and it became a first hit. According to the legend, his career as a vocalist, when a drunken bar patron demanded that he sing the song. Cole said that this fabricated story sounded good, so he didn't argue with it. In fact, there was a customer one night who demanded that he sing, but because it was a song Cole didn't know, and sang Sweet Lorraine instead. As people heard Cole's vocal talent, they requested more vocal songs, and he obliged. Bill's going to tell you a little bit more about Nat. In 1941, the trio recorded That Ain't Right for Decca, followed the next year by All of You for Excelsior. Nat King Cole says, I started out to become a jazz pianist. In the meantime, I started singing and I sang the way I felt, and that's just the way it came out. He mentioned that in a 1956 interview. Cole appeared in the first Jazz at the Philharmonics concert in 1944. In 46, the trio broadcast King Cole Trio Time, a 15-minute radio program. This was the first radio program to be sponsored by a black musician. Between 1946 and 1948, the trio recorded radio transmissions for Capitol Records Transcription Service. They also performed on the radio programs the Chesterfield Supper Club, Kraft Music Hall, and the Orson Welles Almanac. Cole began recording and performing pop-oriented material in which he was often accompanied by a string orchestra. His stature as a popular star was cemented by such hits as The Christmas Song, Get Your Kicks on Route 66, I Love You for Sentimental Reasons, There, I've Said It Again, Nature Boy, Frosty the Snowman, Mona Lisa, and an in 1950, Orange Colored Sky, and Too Young. And those were the ones that I remember uh, back in that era so much. 
Well, on June 7, 1953, Cole performed for the famed Ninth Cavalcade of Jazz concert, which was held at Wrigley Field in Chicago. On November 5, 1956, the Nat King Cole Show debuted on NBC. The variety program was one of the first hosted by an African-American. The program started at a length of 15 minutes, but was soon increased to a half hour in July 1957. The show was in trouble financially despite efforts by NBC. Harry Belafonte, Tony Bennett, Ella Fitzgerald, Eartha Kitt, Frankie Lane, Peggy Lee, and Mel Torme. So Cole decided to end the program. The last episode aired on December 17, 1957. Commenting on the lack of sponsorship, Cole said shortly after its demise, Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark. Throughout the 1950s, Cole continued to record hits that sold millions throughout the world, such as Smile, Pretend, A Blossom Fell, and If I May. His pop hits were collaborations with Nelson Riddle, Gordon Jenkins, and Ralph Carmichael. Riddle arranged several of Cole's 1950 albums, including Nat King Cole Sings for Two in Love. In 1959, he received a Grammy Award for Best Performance by a Top 40 Artist for Midnight Flyer. After changing musical tastes, Cole's ballads appealed little to young listeners. And like others of his time, he found that the pop charts had been taken over by youth-oriented artists. Nevertheless, Cole recorded some hit singles during the 60s, including Let There Be Love with George Shearing in 1961, the country favorite hit Ramblin' Rose in August of 62, Dear Lonely Hearts, That Sunday, That Summer, Those Lazy, Hazy, Crazy Days of Summer. That was his final top ten hit. Oh, that was his final top ten hit, reaching number six on the pop chart. He performed in many short films and sitcoms and television shows and played W.C. Handy in the film St. Louis Blues in 1958. He also appeared in the Nat King Cole story, China Gate, and The Blue Gardenia in 53. In January 1964, Cole made one of his final television appearances on the Jack Benny program. He was introduced as the best friend a song ever had and sang When I Fall in Love and Cat Baloo from 1965, his final film. And it was released several months after his death. Cole had one of his last major hits in 1963, two years before his death, with those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer, which reached number six on the pop charts. Unforgettable was made famous again in 1991 by Cole's daughter, Natalie, when modern recording technology we used to reunite father and daughter in an unforgettable duet. The duet version rose to the top of the pop charts, almost 40 years after its original popularity. Well, I'm looking forward for those that can listen. to. I, I think many people have heard that, uh, that rendition of it. And later I found one where they did the same thing with When I Fall in Love with Natalie Cole. We'll play that uh, on our Golden Gems uh, radio program. Around the time Cole launched his singing career, he entered into Freemasonry. He joined the Scottish Rite Freemasonry, becoming Master Mason. Cole was an avid baseball fan, 
particularly of Hank Aaron. In 1968, Nelson Riddle related an incident from some years earlier and told of music studio engineers searching for a source of noise, finding Cole listening to a game on a transistor radio. Marriages and Children Cole met his first wife, Nadine Robinson, while they were on tour for the all-black Broadway musical Shuffle Along. He was 18 when they married. She was the reason he moved to Los Angeles and formed the Nat King Cole Trio. This marriage ended in divorce in 1948. On March 28, 1948, Easter Sunday, six days after his divorce became final, Cole married the singer Maria Hawkins Ellington. They had five children. Natalie, who had a successful career as a singer, died of congestive heart failure. An adopted daughter, Carol, the daughter of Maria's sister, who died of lung cancer at the age of 64. An adopted son, Nat Kelly Cole, who died of AIDS at the age of 36. And twin daughters, Casey and Timelin, born September 26, 1961. So it's possible those two are still alive today. There were some challenges back in those days with racism. In August 1948, Cole purchased a house from Colonel Henry Gantz, the former husband of silent film actress Lois Weber, in an all-white Hancock Park neighborhood of Los Angeles. The Ku Klux Klan, which was active in Los Angeles in the 1950s, responded by placing a burning cross on his front lawn. Members of the Property Owners Association told Cole that they did not want any undesirables moving into the neighborhood. Cole responded, Neither do I, and if I see anyone undesirable coming in here, I'll be the first to complain. In 1956, Cole was assaulted on stage during a concert in Birmingham, Alabama, with the Ted Heath Band, while singing the song Little Girl. Three assailants ran down the aisle of the auditorium toward Cole. Local law enforcement quickly ended the invasion of the stage, but in ensuing melee, Cole was toppled from his piano bench and injured his back. He did not finish the concert. A fourth member of the group was later arrested, and all were tried and convicted. Cole received a slight back injury during that scuffle. The original plan to attack Cole included 150 men from Birmingham and nearby towns. After being attacked in Birmingham, Cole said, I can't understand it. I've not taken part in any protests, nor have I joined an organization fighting segregation. Why should they attack me? A native of Alabama, he seemed eager to assure the Southern whites that he accepted the customs and traditions of the region. Cole said he wanted to forget the incident and continue to play for segregated audiences in the South. He said he could not change the situation in a day. Roy Wilkins, executive secretary of the NAACP, wrote him a telegram that said, You have not been a crusader or engaged in an effort to change the customs or laws of the South. That attack upon you clearly indicates that organized bigotry makes no distinction between those who do not actively challenge racial discrimination and those who do. This is a fight which none of us can escape. We invite you to join us in a crusade against racism. The Chicago Defender said Cole's performances for all white audiences were an insult 
to his race. Deeply hurt by the criticism in the black press, Cole was chastened, emphasizing his opposition to racial segregation in any form. He agreed to join other entertainers in boycotting segregated venues. He paid $500 to become a lifetime member of the Detroit branch of the NAACP. Until his death in 1965, Cole was an active and visible participant in the civil rights movement, playing an important role in planning the March on Washington in 1963. As far as his politics go, Cole sang in the 1956 Republican National Convention in the Cow Palace in Daly City, California, to show support for President Dwight Eisenhower. He sang, That's All There Is To That, and was greeted with applause. He was also president at the Democratic National Convention in 1960 to show support for Senator John Kennedy. In September 1964, Cole began to lose weight and he experienced back pain. Cole collapsed with pain after performing at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas. A malignant tumor in an advanced state of growth in his left lung was observed on a chest x-ray. Cole, who had been a heavy cigarette smoker, had lung cancer and was expected to have only months to live. Against his doctor's wishes, Cole carried on his work and made his final recording December 1st through the 3rd in San Francisco with an orchestra conducted by Ralph Carmichael. The music was released on his album, L-O-V-E, Love, shortly before his death. His daughter noted later that he did this to assure the welfare of his family. Cole entered St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica on December 7th, and cobalt therapy was started on December 10th. Cole's condition gradually worsened, but he was released from the hospital over the New Year's period. At home, Cole was able to see the hundreds of thousands of cards and letters that had been sent after news of his illness was made public. Cole returned to the hospital in early January. On January 25th, Cole's entire left lung was surgically removed. On Valentine's Day, Cole and his wife briefly left St. John's to drive by the sea. He died at the hospital early in the morning of January 15th, 1965, at the early age of 45. Remarkable life, remarkable man, and his music will live on forever. He's one of my favorites. I'm, I'm grateful that we're able to, to learn more about his life. I learned some things here today I didn't know. Uh, I think that is wonderful to hear all those cards and letters that he received while he was ill. That kind of overshadows some of the racism and some of the people, the way they treated him uh, at different places. I sure hope that uh, this nation will move ahead and we get rid of that. Uh, unfortunately, it still resides today. Well, Cole's funeral was held on February 18th at St. James Episcopal Church on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. 400 people were present and thousands gathered outside the church. Hundreds of members of the public had filed past the coffin the day before. The eulogy was delivered by Jack Benny, who said that Nat Cole was a man who gave so much and still had so much to give. He gave it in a song, in friendship, to his fellow man, 
devotion to his family. He was a star, a tremendous success as an entertainer, an institution. But he was an even greater success as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. I would hope that someone could say that about us. What a great man. Cole's remains were interred in Freedom Mausoleum at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, California. In 1991, Natalie Cole recorded a new vocal track that was mixed with her father's 1961 stereo recording of his 1951 hit, Unforgettable, for a tribute album of the same title. The song and album won seven Grammy Awards in 1992 for Best Album and Best Song. Oh, what a great man and what a great career. Interestingly, uh, not only was that award given, Cole, Nat King Cole, but Cole was induced into the Alabama Music Hall of Fame and the Alabama Jazz Hall of Fame. He was awarded the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1990. He was inducted into the Downbeat Jazz Hall of Fame in 97 and the Hit Parade Hall of Fame in 2007. And a United States postage stamp with Cole's likeness was issued in 1994. Not a lot of great famous people get their own postage stamp. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a tribute to a great man. Cole's success at Capitol Records, for which he recorded more than 150 singles that reached the Billboard, Pops, R&B, and country charts, and has yet to be matched by any Capitol artist. His records sold 50 million copies during his career. We hope you've enjoyed a little trip down memory lane as we looked at the life of Nat King Cole. Uh, we look forward to being able to put this music on uh, Golden Gems Radio and hopefully be able to work things out in the future to be able to include that here in the podcast. Thank you for being with us today. We hope you're having as much enjoyment as we are reliving some of the unforgettable memories from the golden age of radio. As always, we invite your feedback on any particular artist you'd like us to review or any way we can improve the show. May we also encourage you to tell your friends about the show. We would love to have them join us and learn what they'd like to hear also. So until the next episode, this is Bill Hansen and Dave Shaw heading back into the archives to dust off some more unforgettable memories to share with you in our next get-together on Golden Gems. <laughs>